I remember being like, God, what is going on? Like, please help me. This is like, am I dying? Like, this is, you know, I was 14. <laughs> but I'm like, am, am I dying? What is this? Like, is, is this my life now? Like, I hate this. Like, please help me. Like, just come out of this. I was kind of anticipating that I would lose her because I kind of felt like God had, God, that period, that year that I had with her, to spend every day with her, to bond, to learn more about her, to have those shared experiences, even if it was just watching TV. I think that was his way of preparing me to, to lose her. Welcome to ChatGPC. This week I sat down with Casey Nolan, she first came to GPC, answering the call for assistance with YCW, Georgetown's excellent young children in worship program. Casey is a living example of perseverance, faith, and positive outlook through difficulty. I had a great time getting to know Casey better, and I think you will too. Thank you for listening. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, Where do you come from, and, and what brought you to DC or to GPC and to GPC? Great. Yes. Good question. So I'm from the Woodlands, Texas, which is near Houston, and grew up there my whole life, same house, really wanted to leave for college. And the only school I got into that was not in Texas was was Georgetown and came here in 2013 for undergrad, stayed here all throughout undergrad. And I had volunteered in the Sunday school at the church where I grew up, which was not a Presbyterian church. It was a Bible church is what they called it. It's, you know, more Southern evangelical style church. And when I came to Georgetown, I was in my sophomore year and I was looking for a way to reconnect with that part of my past and working with kids and saw a job posting that Rachel had posted for a Sunday school teacher at GPC. And that's Mm. what brought me here. Mm -hmm. When I started out, it was just the Sunday school portion of it that I was, that I was doing and eventually, eventually got trained up on, on the young children and worship part of it. What are the thought processes behind that style of interaction? It's recognizing that children are at a different developmental stage than adults and not trying to use the same discipline and and structure that we would use with adults. So the training I just attended the other day was all about conscious discipline and teaching kids to reflect on their own feelings and why they feel that way, to voice how they feel instead of resorting to like crying or, or tantrums or measures, giving them productive ways to express negative energy, whether that's like a fidget toy or some type of activity to distract them and also, again, get that get it, that energy out and making them feel safe. So a designated safe place for them to decompress and mm. to get over their emotions because kids don't have a fully developed brain. They need us to show them productive ways to manage their emotions because when they don't do it productively and then we respond in a punitive way, then kids shut down and think that their emotions are bad. They never learn how to handle their emotions. So that's a big core part of youth worship and also teaching them to be individuals as well. So in a lot of Sunday school aspects and and other childcare aspects, we do things for kids and youth worship is a lot about you go and you get what you want to work with and you get your tray and you set up your workplace and then when you're done you put it away exactly how you found it and if you need help from adult you ask for it but they have to ask if they don't ask we expect them to be able to put away their own stuff and we also encourage them to work by themselves because we want them to reflect on the story by themselves and to 
work with the materials in a way that expresses their feelings about the story mm. instead of getting in a group and chatting and being silly. That's all great, but there are moments for that in youth worship and work time is not that. Work time is supposed to be them taking the story and doing something with it, with their hands, with their with the materials. I think the combination of like meeting kids where they are and creating structure that helps them positively manage their emotions and then also teaching them to be individuals and respect others and not yelling or screaming so that that way they're not distracted from learning about God, talking to God, and working on the story on their own. What is it that you do professionally? I manage a team of researchers that work, we work at an advisory company called Gartner, which is a fairly big company, but if you're not a client of ours, you probably haven't heard of us. Um, we help companies be more efficient, basically get people to do things that they don't want to do. <laughs> oh, interesting. A lot of beh- behavioral economics. We conduct surveys, we do interviews and literature reviews in order to find the best practices for helping companies improve the way they work, which is, again, mostly getting people to do things that they don't want to do. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. What was your, for lack of a better term, like spiritual walk has been from this Bible church to now? You know, Yeah. I have always chafed a little bit under structure. We went to church regularly when I was younger, but I remember not wanting to go. (laughs) Hmm. I felt some type of ownership over the church in that I went there every week for all of my formative years. But in a lot of ways, I was lacking connection to the church because I always kind of chafed under structure of like, oh, we do it this way, and then we talk about this, and then we do this, which is funny now that I've ended up at a Presbyterian church, which has a fair amount of structure in the service itself. But I find that the congregation of GPC, I think, are much more open and welcoming than like the church I grew up in, which is pretty pretty socially conservative mm. and a lot of like social expectations there that I wouldn't say I've experienced here. So yeah, I remember not wanting to go to church, and I remember being, I think it was around eighth grade, when I just one day felt incredibly dizzy, and left left class, went to the nurse, I think I went home, but then for months after that, struggling with these bouts of vertigo that I didn't know how to handle. I would leave class frequently, I, would, I slept on my floor because I was worried about being dizzy on my bed. That made my dislike of church even stronger because I really did not want to be in big crowds. I was very nervous about being in big crowds and fainting. That was my worst fear, fainting or throwing up in front of everyone. I remember being like, God, what is going on? Like, please help me. This is like, am I dying? Like, this is, you know, I was 14. <laughs> but I'm like, am, am I dying? What is this? Like, is, is this my life now? Like, I hate this. Like, please help me, like, just come out of this. My church, the teaching that we always had growing up was like, God loves you unconditionally. God forgives you unconditionally. And God always has a plan and God always knows what's going to happen for you. I just remember thinking like, this can't be his plan for me, Mm. for me to be here feeling terrible all the time, missing out on key experiences that a 14-year-old should have, being afraid to go into a crowded restaurant. Like, this can't be his plan for me. And so... Maybe there's something that I need to gain from this, a way in which I need to grow from this. Mm. And now reflecting back, I think about the first concept of like God gives you what you can handle. I think I learned to handle it. And now 
have a much better approach to managing anxiety, which I still occasionally experience much, much less than I used to. My siblings still suffer from it too, but like I get a lot of, I do get situational anxiety still, but now I have a lot more practice in managing that and a lot more success in managing that to where I can enter a situation which maybe makes me a little anxious, but I'm like, this will be fine because historically it has been fine. So that reflection of like this, this can't be what my life is supposed to be like. So I better figure out how to make my life what I would, would like it to be. So it was, I think it was a combination of things, but definitely thinking about what God intended for me and reflecting on the miracle that like is the human body where I was like, I I think I actually am a strong person that can get through things and be Hmm. okay. And that reminds me of how we talk about grace, right? That it's always available, Mm -hmm. but you have to claim it. Yeah. I do feel like ever since that moment, I'm not arrogant enough to say I see his plan for me, but I do feel like things come to me. I take, I do them, I take them, take those opportunities and it, it always works out. I feel like God has taken care of me in almost every aspect of my life. Got into Georgetown, came here, loved it, absolutely loved the area. I'm still here for a reason. I feel like my career has kind of worked that way where opportunities come to me. I take it. I am on great teams with great people and love what I'm doing. So obviously there are there are trials throughout, but I like to think that that plan for me has been born out to be a good one. I trust that things will work out now. That's That's my approach to life is that. I take opportunities when they come and I trust that they will work out because that's how it has worked, which is a huge transition from me before, which is worrying about all of the, all of the contingencies, all of the ways things could go wrong, what people would think if they did go wrong, when they did go wrong, et cetera. Part of what you just described is that you're, you're taking time to consider the ways, all of the things that are good in your life. Yeah. And that upon reflection, you have so many blessings and so many things that have worked out. And so why wouldn't the future also hold that? That's really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And I, I remember up until I was, you know, 25, 26, when, I'm trying to think of when my mom passed away. It was two years ago. 26. I Nothing bad had really ever happened to me. Nothing that I would consider bad on the on the objective scale of human suffering <laughs> mm. where, like, we had put my, my childhood dog down and that was very sad for me, but... Like my life had been really, really privileged from a from a family standpoint um, and and all of that. But when my mom passed away two years ago, I I kind of saw it coming because I I felt like God was preparing for me to lose her because I happened to be home when the whole COVID pandemic erupt, erupted. That was March 2020. I'd been visiting home and was planning to just just spend a week there. My mom was on spring break. She was a teacher. Well, a week turned into a year because a couple of days after me being there, my office closed for what I didn't realize would be over a year at that mm. point. A little, I guess less, less than a year because we started to open up a little bit. But she was a teacher and so she was home in the evenings and especially during summer, she was home in the evenings and all day. And I was there working. My dad was he was he works one to midnight basically, so he wasn't there. And every evening we would basically spend eating takeout and watching House and Outlander and all these other TV shows. So like that was a for a year. My mom and I were hanging out every day. My mom was my best friend. And so when I came back to DC, March twenty twenty one, moved into my apartment. She which she helped me pick out. And then she got sick May 
that same month, May 2021. And I was kind of anticipating that I would lose her because I kind of felt like God had God that period, that year that I had with her to spend every day with her, to bond, to learn more about her, to have those shared experiences, even if it was just watching TV. I think that was his way of preparing me to to lose her because otherwise I would have been in D.C., very distant from my family. They're all there. I visit maybe a couple times a year, but I wouldn't have those fond recent memories that I have with her of spending time together that I that I do now because of that year I had. So I do feel like even in the trials, like God has prepared me to handle them. I want to give you some credit for making the choice to view it that way because not everybody, I mean, you know this, not everybody would look at it, look at that. Yeah. You know, they could also see it as, oh, I just got all of this time with my mom and now she's gone. You yeah. Know? What did she get sick of? Uh, she got COVID. She, oh, she, she was double vaccinated, but she had rheumatoid arthritis and was taking immunosuppressants. And her doctors mm-hmm. had warned her that the vaccine may not work 100% on her. And sure enough, she it, it didn't. She got COVID. My dad got it at work. He gave it to her, um, you know, un- unknowingly, of course. And um, they... They were both sick, but but her immune system was just weak from mm. the immunosuppressants, and 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 physically, arthritis really weakened her body, and and including her lungs. Her lungs were scarred from arthritis, mm. so she was. We knew she she got vaccinated early because she was at risk from the beginning. So, yeah, even though she was vaccinated, just wasn't enough to protect her. And I don't I don't know that boosters would have been enough to protect her. I don't know that she ever would have um, been protected. What's fascinating to me is my sister and I actually got COVID July 2020. Hmm. So almost a year, you know, 10 months before her and my dad got it. I don't know where we got it from. We were basically asymptomatic. I was ch- I was working from home, picking up groceries, not seeing anyone. I was at home. None of my friends lived there. So still don't know how we got it, but my parents didn't get it then hmm. in July of 2020. And, and you were living at home. And we were all living together, eating together. It's still a mystery to me why my sister and I got it then and my parents didn't. But again, I'm, I'm grateful. Like I, if, if she had gotten in July 2020, I don't think she would have survived it then either. And I would have had, had only a couple months with her. Mm. So got to spend the whole year with her. She, she flew back with me, helped me pick out my apartment. And yeah, lost her then that couple, couple months later. Uh, I'm sorry. I I know it's something that a lot of experience a lot of folks have because COVID took so many lives and folks that lost parents young-ish for other reasons too. I had several people reach out to me and say, hey, like obviously everything's different. Every situation's different. But, you know, I lost a parent around a similar age. And if you ever want to talk about it, let me know. And in a way that was comforting to me because – it made me realize that my grief wasn't special or unique, even though it was it was obviously deeply felt for me. Seeing an example of somebody who experienced a similar situation and was fine and living life and, and had been able to continue from that incident, I do think was a a comfort. I mean, again, I just I think it's remarkable. It points to the way that you are viewing the world in other words you're taking something that some people could say is like hey don't you know don't tell me that i 
that that you understand what I've been through, and you're choosing instead to 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 see like oh there's a common community in this. Yeah, and I I do think there's a way to word it that's like I went through the exact same thing. Right. I I know exactly how you're feeling, and nobody nobody did that, but I do think that there are a lot of commonalities in losing a parent at a certain age that you were close to. Obviously, every experience is different, but I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram test. It's a type of personality test. And one of the personality types is the individualist. And if if you get the individualist, that means you answered yes to a lot of questions like, I'm different from other people. Like, mm. I feel that no one will ever truly understand me. And I feel like I've never quite fit into groups. And I, I'm kind of the opposite of that, where I feel like I can find common ground with anyone that I meet. It may just take some time to find it, but humans are more alike than we are different. And my take is that not one of us is unique. We all have a combination of qualities that make us different and separate, but nobody is a standalone entity, I think. Like you're, you can find common ground with anyone. And if you don't, then I would question like your own understanding of yourself. Being a part of this community where I've met Everyone I've met has been incredible and welcoming and being here at GPC has opened my eyes to the connection that I can get from a church community that I didn't think I could because I I thought that that's what church community was, was rigid expectations of what a, what a person should do and how they should act and how they should be. But that's that's definitely not the case here. And I really that really resonates with me. And that's why I've I've been here for as long as I have. It's really great to talk with you. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah this is really fun. Yeah. I always wanted to do a podcast because I, I do love listening to podcasts, although I've kind of fallen out of practice recently, but I love listening to podcasts and I've had multiple